Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every day for our podcast listeners, only about 13 minutes, but it gets us into God's Word every day, seven days a week, and that helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But being in God's Word every day through these short studies helps keep us focused on a relationship with God as well and upon our soul's salvation. Helps us also to have a more spiritual, positive, productive mindset to be able to deal with all that life throws at us every day. You know people in your life who need to make these changes, don't you? Who need to turn their life around. They need to start focusing on their relationship with God and on their soul's salvation. You can help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but you may help them change their life. You may help them get to heaven, ultimately, and that'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing every day with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. Make that commitment help them turn their lives around. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, bad things happen all the time, don't they? All around us and to us personally, individually. Oh yes, we suffer illness and injury, pain. Sometimes and we've known people in our lives, and maybe some of you today can say, yeah, I've, I've not only suffered uh, illness on a temporary basis, but I've, I've, I've experienced severe suffering. And there are various handicaps and mental, even mental illness. And then there are people who are, from our human perspective, good people who they lose their job. They face financial ruin. And then there are natural disasters that hit people indiscriminately around the world, including in our own country, such as drought and famine and flooding and natural disasters, hurricanes and tornadoes and so on. Parents are saddened when they have looked forward to the birth of their child only to have the baby stillborn or maybe terribly handicapped in either physical ways or mental ways or both, there are also terrible accidents that result, in, and of course, there's always that reality of death. There's plague and epidemic and pandemics, and those happen all through the history of mankind in this world. There are wars and violence and terrorism and murder and theft. There's hatred and evil and inhumanity in various forms. It's all around us, all over the world. And so some people blame God for all of this. They say God makes it happen. They're short-sighted in their view. But there are many others who I suspect say, well, why does God let this happen? And particularly, not just to the people who may bring the consequences on themselves because they're bad people or they act in evil, wicked ways, and so they're going to suffer the consequences of their evil, wicked lifestyles, but why does God let the bad things happen to good people? Why do they suffer the illness and the injury and the pain? Why do they suffer job loss and financial ruin? Why do hurricanes and tornadoes and flooding and drought hit them as well as other people? 
Why are there wars and violence and terrorism in which good people lose their lives? Why do good people end up getting murdered and having their property stolen from them, even their finances? Why does evil get committed against them? Why does inhumanity in various forms happen to them from bad people around them? The bottom line answer is sin. Sin. Now, not necessarily their personal sin, although all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23, and there are a number of other verses that say the same thing, even some of those in Romans chapter 3. But you see, sin is prevalent in the world around us. And people sin. And sin bears consequences. We read from Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10, where the psalmist talked about grief and, and his physical weakness and everything because of my iniquity. That's sin. But look at it from the broader perspective. Why do wars... Why does evil exist? Why are there thefts? Why is there violence? Why is there, there uh, all kinds of, of terrorism and evil being committed on an ongoing basis? Sin. And all of that bears consequence. And not only on the ones committing those violent acts, but it bears consequence on all of humanity and on the world as a whole. We looked at the contrast between the reality of life in this world and what God offers us if we will walk in righteousness and faithfulness to him. In this world, he offers us the complete opposite of the suffering and strain and the bad things that are so commonplace in this world. He offers us a place where none of those things exist. Eternal life with him in heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, we read, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and they be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No tears. There shall be no more death. No death. No sorrow. Sorrow is part of life in this world. Nor crying, and crying is a result of the sorrow. There shall be no more pain, and pain is a reality in our physical lives. For the former things have passed away. Yes, heaven is the complete contrast from what we experience from the perspective of bad things all around us on an ongoing basis in this world. When we look a little further in that 21st chapter, and that's verse 27, look at the difference. Now again, does evil exist in this world? No question. Hands down. No brainer. All around us. Why? Because people participate in evil all around us. There are some people who are just plain evil themselves, but there are a whole lot of people who are on the periphery, kind of on the borderline, and they just take part in evil things, evil practices. But what's it going to be like in heaven? Verse 27 of Revelation 21. There shall by no means enter it 
anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Huh. You see, no sin in heaven. If you go back to verse 8, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that's simply a very descriptive identification of hell, eternal condemnation in hell. Well, again, sin is prevalent in this world. But in heaven, we will be with God. If we have lived our life in this world in faithfulness and obedience to him, if we have tried and he will guide us and he will help us and he will strengthen us to live that strong spiritual life, the righteous life, according to his teachings, then we'll be there right there in his presence in heaven for all of eternity. And that would be the ultimate application of what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Paul's writing this to Christians. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now the ultimate application of that is living with him, with God in heaven for all of eternity. The next verse goes on and says, Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. In other words, don't take part in the evil of this world the sinfulness of this world that is all around us. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. But you see, a whole lot of people, they want to be able to live in sinfulness and still have the idea that God is still right there with them. And they'll utter some words now and then about how much they love God or how much faith they have in God but they're not living a faithful life before God. But they want God to give them all the blessings without their having to make the commitment to live the righteous life before him. That does not work. That is contradiction. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 14, Jesus said, The kingdom of, of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, to these servants, he gave various sums of his finances. And they were to take care of these and work with these sums of his finances, his money, and be productive with them. So to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on the journey. Now, the one who had received the five talents of money, he worked with that and when his master returned, he presented to him ten talents. He had doubled the money, the master's money. So the one who received two, he doubled that, and he returned to his master four talents. But the one who had received one talent, he did nothing with it. He was afraid he might lose it, uh, whatever the case might be, the motivation. Anyway, he dug a hole in the ground and buried it. When his master came back, he dug it back up, gave it to him. He said, here, hey, here, here's what you gave me, one talent. But you see, in, in verse 21, we read to the, to the 
the two servants who were productive and being faithful with what his, their master had entrusted them with, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But then when he comes to the one t- to, to the servant who did nothing, who was not productive, he was not responsible in the way he dealt with his masters entrusting him with that sum of money, his Lord said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I do not have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And then he tells him, therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. He goes on and says, for to everyone who has more will be given and him who has, well, he, and, and he will have abundance. And then he goes on in verse 30 and he says, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is not a lesson basically on handling money wisely, but it's a lesson on faithfulness and service to God. God's the master. We're the servants. And we will all be held accountable in the final day of judgment. How have we lived before God with what he has blessed us with? We will be held accountable. And if we have been responsible in the way we've lived our lives, in righteousness and faithfulness and obedience before him, then eternal life and with him in heaven will be our reward. But if we've just gone and done our own thing, like that unfaithful servant, then eternal condemnation is what awaits us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us. Help us to see the light of your truth and live by your teachings in faithful obedience and service to you all of our days in this world. And help us to shun evil, wickedness, and sin. And recognize that we cannot just believe in you, but that we must believe in you actively, working, obedient to you. Help us, Father. Help people to see. We pray for your forgiveness, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.